So for the last six weeks, we have been teasing out some implications from a parable Jesus told about the kingdom of God. And this parable is found in Matthew chapter 13, verses 43 and 44. And I've been encouraging you to use a biblical imagination at times to kind of think about the different angles about different things that you read if you read your Bible. And when you read a short little parable like this, you might see that that's yeah, interesting, but what relevance does it have for me? So let me read it one more time here. It says, Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. The kingdom of God is like a treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy he went out and sold all that he had and bought that field. So we've taken six messages, including the one I'm going to do right now, to tease out some ideas from this parable. When we think a little bit about this parable, uh, just remember that Jesus encouraged us to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. So we started this series by way of review talking a little bit about seeking that buried treasure which has something to do with the kingdom of God. And we need to kind of look for it and we need to search for it. We need to not give up in the process of seeing where the kingdom of God is found among the kingdoms of men. Then we talked a little bit about savoring an opportunity. This man who came across this knowledge that there was treasure that was buried in a field had an opportunity to act on that in a very profound way. And the parable tells us that he went and he sold everything he had to secure this opportunity to find this buried treasure. Then we talked a little bit about whether or not he went about looking for this buried treasure all by himself. Or did he have a network of friends? Did he stay socially connected? Was there something that they did to help each other in this process of finding this buried treasure? Then we talked a little bit about how much hard work that takes. Think about trying to find a buried treasure, seeking it and then finally digging for it and then at the end of the day resting uh, because it was such a strenuous activity in the process. And then last week we talked a little bit about once this man secured this buried treasure, was he going to spend it all on himself? Was he going to sit on his security? Or was he going to use some of these resources that he had for a greater good? So that's a review of what we talked about over the last five weeks. Today I want to talk a little bit about selecting learning opportunities. Now, you might say, where does this come into play? When we think about our lives, how many times have we asked ourselves this question? Boy, if I had enough time and I had enough money, what would I really like to do with my life? And I bet each of you would say, hey, if my livelihood was not dependent upon this, I would like to learn about, and you can fill in the blank. I'm sure there are some things that you would like to do. So when we think about this individual, he had a lot of opportunities in front of him because he found this buried treasure and because he didn't need to worry about money anymore, he could select some learning opportunities if he really wanted to. 
Now, I'm sure that the learning opportunities in the first century are not quite the same as your learning opportunities in the 21st century. There's a lot that we have discovered. However, I want you to think about this, and you need to follow this closely. All right? Listen. When you have treasures, you have options. And when you have options, you have opportunities. And when you have opportunities, you can learn. And when you can learn, you can grow or develop. I think that's worth thinking through again. When you have treasures, you have options. When you have options, you have opportunities. When you have opportunities, you can learn. And when you learn, you can grow and develop. Now, not everyone has those opportunities or options. You see, think about all the things that you can do with options and opportunities in front of you. I mean, you can choose where you want to live. You can choose where you want to travel. You can choose what you want to wear, what you want to eat, what you want to learn, what you want to delegate. You can choose to decline some things that you're not interested in and accept some things that you are interested in. Now, I want you to think this morning. Get in your mind what you make each year, what your salary is. And don't tell your neighbor, that's just your private information, okay? And I want you to think about what you bring home on an annual basis. And I want you to cut it in half. Now you have to live on half the amount of what you make. What consequences come as a result of that? If your income stream was cut in half, well, for some people, all of a sudden they have dipped below the poverty line. For other people, choices are now narrowed. Maybe you're not going to any more ball games because you can't afford the tickets. Maybe you're not going out to eat as much because going out to eat is expensive. Maybe you have no choice of the brands that you like to wear because some of the brands you like to wear are too expensive. Maybe your constant thought is, how am I going to make ends meet? Maybe if you own a car, you cannot afford the repairs. Maybe if your furniture needs replaced, you must now choose to repair it rather than replace it. Are you following what I'm saying? So all of a sudden, all these uh, options and opportunities change dramatically. Now, some of the options and opportunities are not related as much to the amount of money that you have in your bank account. Sometimes it's related to location. The place that you are born and the country in which you live give you greater opportunities than other people. I have said this often, we, as citizens of the United States, won the lottery. We live in a land that gives multiple opportunities. If you lived in a different country and you're a woman, you might not be allowed to learn anything. Your education opportunities shrink. Think about the economic engine that we just take for granted. Think about the fact that there are individuals that don't have options or opportunities 
that have to work menial jobs and make relatively very small wages. But we need them because that's what keeps the economic engine going for those of us who have more opportunities and options. I think sometimes the family that you are born into will limit your opportunities or help you gain opportunities. Think about this for a moment. Maybe your mom and dad were pregnant with you when they were very young. A young woman gets pregnant at the age of 15 or 16. You as a child probably will not have the opportunities other people do simply because they were too young and did not have the resources to be able to raise you, to give you the opportunities. Um, maybe you have parents who did not finish high school. And so their earning potential is capped, it's limited. And as a result of that, they don't know anything but that kind of life and they do not encourage their kids to go into college or get a higher education. Maybe you grew up in a family where you were just another body that was needed on the farm to work the farm. You see, where we're born, the families that we are born into, and the resources that we have either increase our options and opportunities or decrease them. I think back on my own life and I really did not see the value of education when I was in high school. You see, my mom and dad never went to college. They had me relatively young, not in their teens, but uh, my mom was 20 when she had me. And so they were always just trying to make ends meet. And as a result of that, when I was in high school, I... Um, I was never encouraged to prep to go to college. Rather, my dad, knowing what he knew, said, well, why don't you take a vocational training? And so I did. And Akron North High School had a vocational training in heating and air conditioning. And I went through that in my junior and senior year of high school. And after I got out, I did take uh, I get, did get a, a, a kind of a gopher job with a heating air conditioning company and did kind of menial things. Um, but I did work with some, uh, some journeymen that I began to understand this isn't what I want to do with the rest of my life. I just didn't picture it that. And yet at the same time, when I was going through high school, I did not see the relevance of half of the topics that I was sitting in class for. Let me take one example, math, okay? So I was never good at math and I still am not great at math. But I did not see the relevance of topics like algebra and trigonometry and calculus and trigonometry. And I wasn't motivated to learn it because I saw no, how does this apply to real life? It just seemed to be a lot of hard work for nothing. Little did I know that if teachers would have simply have said, this will open up opportunities for you to become an engineer or an architect or whatever it might be, that might have motivated, motivated me a little bit more. But the topic that I did love in high school was history. 
And it always fascinated me, the stories, the legends, and even superstitions of people that have come before us to see what happened and why it happened and to begin to learn some lessons from what happened. But here's what I'm saying. The importance of education was never really built into me. And when I finally found that buried treasure, Jesus, all of a sudden I began to see things differently and I began to learn some things about the Bible and I took some night classes and found it interesting for once in my life and actually did some reading and so forth. And little did I know that I would go through eight years of post-high school education and become a pastor. I didn't know that at the time. And little did I know how much education, how much options and opportunities opens an entire world so that we can see the world through a wider lens than the small little one maybe in the community that I grew up in. You see, options and opportunities are something that are to be valued. And of course, the question comes back when I understand this. Will I take advantage of it? So this man in the parable here, did he take advantage of this opportunity that he had? Did he see that he had options? Did he see that he had opportunities? Did he see that he could learn more about life who knows what his vocation was before he found this buried treasure? Was he a fisherman? I don't know. See, Jesus doesn't give us enough information about this man in the parable because it's a made-up story. And it's almost as if, he says, you put some details to it. And that's what I've tried to do the last five weeks, is put some details to it and think a little bit about the implications of this man finding this treasure. Will he seek out a learning opportunity to understand the complexities of life? You see, it depends upon which window you're looking through to understand how life works for different people. And if you've ever traveled internationally, you'll know that different cultures look through different lenses at life in terms of what they value versus what they don't value. And so, when we think about happiness, the joy and happiness we all seek in life, maybe, just maybe, it begins with our, the quality of our thoughts. What I mean by that is, how do we think? How do we process life? How do we interpret it? Marcus Aurelius, one of the Roman empires, uh, um, emperors, rather, uh, he ruled from 161 to 180 A.D. He was an intellectual emperor. He was a philosopher. He was a writer. And uh, it is believed that uh, his writings, called Meditations, became the basis of a movement called Stoicism. And um, we talked a little bit last week about Hedonism, but this is stoicism that encouraged engaging our brains to understand how the world works. And here's what Marcus Aurelius said in one of his meditations, and I quote, the happiness of your life depends on the quality of your thoughts. 
Let me say that again. The happiness of your life depends on the quality of your thoughts. Sounds a little bit like the Apostle Paul, doesn't it? When he said um, that if there's anything excellent, anything admirable, anything true or holy or just or pure or lovely or praiseworthy, think on these things. So the quality of our thoughts determines our levels of happiness. That's not all of it. Science tells us that 50% of our happiness is determined by our genes, which we cannot control. 10% is determined by our circumstances. And 40% is determined by how we think, how we look at life, how we interpret life. So the phrase, ignorance is bliss, is really not a good phrase at all. Because I really do believe what you can learn will help you to interpret the life that you live, and it will help you to understand other people better. There is a problem when we think that ignorance is bliss, because then we can fall for a number of things. Think about Eve, that story in the Old Testament, and she goes to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and because of her ignorance, she was fooled by the Hasatan or the accuser who says, God really doesn't want you to know anything. Well, that's not the purpose, but he put the temptation out and she ate of it. And it's been a long journey ever since to understand the truth that Jesus gave to us. You shall know the truth, and it's the truth that shall set you free. So we are truth sojourners, and the good news is that if you grew up Without a love of learning and growing, you can always cultivate that. And when you do, science tells us the more that we learn, it lights up the brains and there are new neural networks that are developed. And that's why often even in nursing homes, even if older people can do crossword puzzles or word searches or other things like that, it's good for their overall health. So keep your brain active and continue to learn those type of things that will help in the long run bring to you the type of joy and happiness that you are looking for. So we come back to Proverbs chapter 1 for a moment. And that's kind of small up there. But um, you can look at your liturgy. And I want you to notice just a couple of things here. So this book begins, and it's written by Solomon. Now, he is an individual that is the son of King David. So what does he have already? He has options, and he has opportunities. He's the son of the king. So many of the Proverbs that are written come from the opportunity for him to uh, to think and to meditate and write down his observations on life. And if he did write the book of Ecclesiastes, which we're, we don't know that for certain, he calls himself Koaleth, which means the teacher. He observes all of life and he begins to understand that some things lead to a better life than other things. And if you read the book of Ecclesiastes, you'll find that he goes through every angle of life and he, at the end, says, well, here's the bottom line, is fear God and keep his commandments. So we find here in this section 
his encouragement to learn, to understand, to receive instruction, to be open to the type of things that other people can pour into our life. He says in verse 5, let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. In other words, there's so much that we can learn from other people, and you know that, and I know that. So there are individuals that know how to fix your washer when you don't. So he did a load of laundry yesterday, and as he goes, it's still wet, really wet. Oh, the spin cycle went out. Okay? So now I need to call somebody out to repair that. I don't know how to do that. Right? Or you look at your options and you say, is my money better spent, considering this is X number of years old, to just get a different one rather than to pour several hundred dollars into an old machine? You following what I'm saying? So when you have the options that life gives to you, well, then you can make decisions and make choices. And you can bring other people's level of understanding into your life to help you. Other people don't have those options. In fact, some people cannot even afford a washer and a dryer, so they're up at the laundromat. You following what I'm saying? So in this whole process, what we find is that we can continue to choose learning opportunities, and that's the point of this message. Always continue to learn. Don't stop learning. Don't stop reading. Don't stop growing. Don't stop stretching your mind. Continue to begin to grow and stretch those muscles that will enable you to have a more balanced life in the future. So a second passage that we find is in the book of Proverbs chapter 8. And this is where she's called Lady Wisdom. So if you have a Bible, uh, you'll see in chapter 8 of Proverbs, it begins like this. Does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights along the way where the paths meet, she takes her stand beside the gates leading into the city. At the entrances, she cries aloud. To you, O men, I call out. I raise my voice to all mankind. You who are simple, gain prudence. You who are foolish, gain understanding. Listen, for I have worthy things to say. I open my lips to speak what is right. My mouth speaks what is true, for my lips detest wickedness. And all the words of my mouth are just. None of them is crooked and perverse. To the discerning, all of them are right, and they are faultless to those who have knowledge. And it goes on. The whole chapter is kind of like that. And the great picture here is Lady Wisdom is the personification of this quality of learning that will enable us to have a better life and to experience more joy and happiness in our life. So I want to come back to this age-old thought. If time and money were no object, what would you choose to do? If time and money were no object, I would travel to, learn to, try to, create something, 
serve something, practice something, celebrate something, let go of something, or fight for something. Cherish the options and opportunities that you have in life. Because these things here, to be able to get up and go somewhere, to be able to pick a book, even off the library shelf, and learn something new, to try something that you've never tried before, to maybe create something. Um, maybe you've never tried your hand at painting or something like that, and you go, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to try it. And all of, a, all of a sudden, you find a passion you never knew that you had. Maybe your options are to be able to help other people so that they can learn and they have opportunities as well. Maybe it's just having the opportunity to do something like take lessons for piano or guitar or saxophone, whatever it may be. See, I think we need to understand that while almost no one has unlimited resources and time, most of us do have opportunities to learn and to grow and to see something new. And when you select what you will learn and grow and understand, it will bring something to your life that maybe wouldn't be there if you chose to sit on your security or always play it safe. And so I want to encourage you to start small. Start small. It doesn't have to be something grand. It's not like I'm going to go you know, walk the Appalachian Trail or climb Mount Everest or something like that. But start small. What is it? And how will you meet God there? I mean, maybe it's taking up hiking, and you're going down not to the Appalachian Trail. Maybe you're just going to the Chagrin Park, and you're walking through, and you're observing the beauty of deer and turkeys and birds and all these type of things. Maybe it's getting in tune with where God is found. It's not in a building all the time. It's not in church all the time. Sometimes it's found in the quiet moments of meditation. Sometimes it's found on the hike in the woods. Sometimes it's found in community with other people. Sometimes it's found in the celebration of a wedding or a birthday. Expand your mind and continue to learn. And if you do, I think you'll find that levels of joy and happiness that we all are seeking after will help us. So I ran across this quote. I thought this was interesting because it ties back to what I was telling you about how I looked at education when I was in school. And uh, at one time, uh, John Lennon <clears throat> told those who were teaching him this quote. He says, when I was five years old, my mother always told me that happiness was the key to life. And when I went to school, they asked me what, I, what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I wrote down happy. They told me I didn't understand the assignment. And I told them they didn't understand life. I wonder if he got disciplined for that. <laughs> but I wonder if when he sat down with his guitar, 
when he wrote the plethora of songs that he wrote. I wonder if the collaboration that he had with Paul McCartney and the other Beatles, I wonder if that's because he saw it as an opportunity and an option that brought him great joy in life. Now, I know the Beatles broke up. I know that. Life never goes as perfect as what we want to. But think of the legacy that the Beatles left behind for us. My goodness, the dozens and dozens and hundreds of songs that has something that resonates within us yesterday, right? Things that get us to think. And so imagine, we sang that song a few weeks back, there are just opportunities and options for us. So we just ask God to help us to take a step at a time into those. And then we share them with each other to encourage each other to continue to learn and grow. Because that's what Peter tells us in his epistle. Grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because here's what I've been wanting to tell you now for six weeks. The buried treasure is Jesus. The buried treasure is Jesus. He is the Word made flesh. He is the wisdom made flesh. So would you stand with me, please? I want to pray, and as I do so, I trust that you will have a wonderful day and that you will continue to look at the options that you have in your own life. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, our feet have wandered on the earth, often unsatisfied, drinking from a sea of emptiness that sometimes has left our soul dry. So we turn our eyes to Christ our treasure, and we seek Him, and we savor Him, and we learn of Him, because He is the full representation of what God is really like, and it is in Him we experience goodness and life. May that fill us here today. May we be so overjoyed that we have found this buried treasure and now we get to share it with each other. So put your blessings upon this day, I pray. In Jesus' precious name, amen. God bless each and every one of you. Thanks for coming.